Welcome everyone to the Proven Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Church. I'm a music producer from Northeast Ohio. I began this weekly interview series to give you different perspectives on how to approach a career in the field from different artists, producers, engineers, and other great minds who share their stories on not only what's made them succeed, but also what has shaped them into the people that they are today. I hope you gain some real proven knowledge from the show and that it helps elevate you and your endeavors on your own journey towards success as well. Let's get into it. Welcome everyone to episode 179 here on the Proven Knowledge Podcast. This is the Creator Series. Today I welcomed an artist from the Atlanta area. He goes by the name of Lolo. I actually got in touch with Lolo via his manager, Bianca. Messaged me back in the summertime. Sent me his album, Taurus. We actually got to discuss the album in its entirety today. Uh, I really loved what Lolo mentions in this episode about the real plan that he had for the project. You know, he didn't initially set out to release an album, but as it led to becoming an album, he put in a strategic plan. I think the tips that he had for what he has done with his project is super vital something that you guys are going to be able to take and apply to your own releases you know whatever you got coming up something to keep in mind um and i think what lolo's doing as far as just you know being able to put everything he has into every step of this journey um and really focusing on you know one thing at a time and just making sure that it's meeting his vision and that he's seeing it through at every step i think that's super awesome um, I'm looking forward to staying in touch with Lolo, hopefully doing a part two very soon as well. Like I said, I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this, especially if you put out music a lot and you're looking to, you know, continue to grow your fan base and just have, you know, a different strategy moving forward. So without further ado, let's get into this one. All right. Welcome everyone to episode 179 here on the Proven Knowledge Podcast. This is the Creator Series. Today we have a guest. He's actually out of Atlanta, singer-songwriter. Um, I want to thank Bianca for you know getting us in touch here today. Please welcome Lolo to the show. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. And like I said, I'm, I'm happy to you know finally get to talk to you because like I said, she reached out, I think in June, sent me all your stuff. Uh, I checked out Taurus, the album. I definitely want to talk about that soon and all that. And I'm excited to have you here, but... You know, to start off every episode, we have the guests give some background. You know, how did you get into music? Where did the love for it initially come from? You know, for those that might not know you and what you do. All right. So I first started singing when I was, I mean, a child, but I didn't really get into it fully till I was a, a young adult, probably like when I was 20, 21. Mm-hmm. I was able to start taking a little bit more serious. But, you know, sometimes things don't work out in a way. So a couple of years later, I finally ran into an opportunity to be able to go to the studio and lay down my first track. I had never actually done a full track in my life. And in 30 minutes, me and the producer's name is Waheed, we got together and everything else was history. We recorded my first song in 30 minutes. And from there, I was able to build my first EP. And now I'm on my first album. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, the love started as a kid, but the older I got, the more mature I got, I was able to actually go into the studio and make something happen. Yeah, it's it's really cool, too, I think, when you do have the love for it that early on, where you see it kind of evolve over the stages of your life, you know what I mean? It's like, because mm-hmm. I think when you're when you're super young, obviously, we don't have we don't have the ability to kind of do those things, like pursue being an artist. We don't really know any better. We're just like, oh, we're fans of artists or we're fans of certain songs, things like that. But then when you can take that love and then make it into something you could build into a career, 
Like that's super vital too. And just being able to have that. So definitely hats off to you for being able to, you know, set out on this journey, man. So super great. And I, I do want to know, you know, it could be when you were recording that first song or even the first EP, what do you think was a big challenge for you? Maybe it was finding your voice. Maybe it was just getting in the habit of recording songs and getting in that, you know, mode of being able to do that songwriting. Like what, what do you think was an initial challenge you had to get through to become comfortable with putting yourself out there? Um, I think the hardest part first off is not, some people aren't willing to be embarrassed or they're not willing to admit that they're uncomfortable or that they're not experienced or, you know, it's embarrassing. And so the first major milestone I had to get over was feeling confident enough in being able to sing. Um, Cause there are a lot of things that come like, you know, second nature to me, I can do it. It's really easy. Mm-hmm. But when it came to singing, I wasn't someone who was naturally born as a good singer. I kind of had to build myself up and learn a lot. Um, mainly because, um, my background doesn't consist of what most singers consist of, which is like a gospel background where you're born into a choir basically. Mm -hmm. And you learn how to sing from there. So the hardest thing for me was trying to find a place in the studio. First off that aligned with what my skill set was and also what made me comfortable enough to be vulnerable with the producer. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, when you get in there, you got to realize that it's just as intimidating as having eight people or just one person. Because at the end of the day, it's all about what you put into this microphone. So mm-hmm. everybody's going to hear it. So it took a lot for me to overcome the lack of confidence um, the first time around. Yeah, I could definitely see that being something to get over to, especially like you said, because it, it's funny you mentioned that because I have a lot of singers tell me that they did grow up in the church or that they were in choir when they were younger. Yeah. I've had so many people tell me that. So it's like, it's, it's almost like, you know, what if that's not the case for you? Cause everybody's story is different. So it sounds like for you, it was more of like later on, you had to get comfortable with doing that. And I can only imagine cause I can't sing, I can't rap, I can't do any of that stuff. So myself, I'm like, if I was put on the spot and I was like, oh, I got to really perform. And especially when you have like studio time and you're paying for those types of things, it's like, you got to utilize the time that you have while you're in there with the producer to kind of get things done. So uh, I, I imagine it was almost like learning on the fly too and just trying to like get the hang of it and get comfortable. So Yeah, because I, I read a lot and you can study all you want, mm-hmm. but until you actually experience it and go through it, you really don't know how you'll be. Yeah. You put on the headset, the music starts to play, you actually hear what you really sound like because mm-hmm. a lot of people hear one thing. Like even when you're talking, you might think that's how you sound, but when you actually hear a recording, make it like, oh shit, mm-hmm. I sound like that. <laughs> and so that's how it was in the studio. I had to really sit there and go, okay, so that's how I sound. All right, now, <laughs> so now I know that's the good part of my voice. That actually sounds good. Mm-hmm. Let me try to, you know, maintain that kind of thing. So I think a lot of people, if they actually got into the groove of trying to figure themselves out along the way, they wouldn't take it so harshly and serious yeah. um, during the learning phase. That's why I put out an EP first, so if I fuck something up, I can just be like, well, you know, it was a learning experience. <laughs> yeah. And then when the actual album came out, I actually knew how to, you know, conduct myself in the business part, the contracts and all that mm. kind of stuff. It's like uh, the building blocks of kind of just building your journey out too and kind of getting to that point. So, and that actually leads me into my next question, which is about the album, which is called Taurus, like I mentioned earlier in the episode. 
So, you know, give me the backstory behind it, because from what I heard from hearing some of the songs, there's a lot of pop influence. There's a lot of R&B influence. I can tell you got a lot of different things going on as well, but it all still sounds cohesive. (laughs) So, like, tell me, like, what went into it as far as crafting these songs, who you were working with during the process. Like, what did it all mean to you and what does this project mean to you as an artist? Well, um, the start of this project was an accident. Um, after I had finished writing my first EP, I didn't really know what to do. I was like, my goal was just to make a song so I could prove to myself I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, I had started doing publishing with um, DRS. It's also through Waheed, which is in Roswell. And I started working through him for publishing. And I was like, what is this? I don't really know what's going on. He was like, there's a lot more you can do with music than having to just go on stage or put it in someone's ears on streaming. Like, you should learn a little bit more about this. So from there, after I recorded the EP, it was so much work and so much money and time that I put into this thing that had no real goal or anything. I was just like, it's just out there. And so I started to say, all right, you put in a lot of energy, a lot of work, and you know, you need to congratulate yourself. Take a minute, take some time, soak it in. So I wrote a song called Congratulations. And when I had wrote the song, I was... It sounds selfish when I say it now, but I was congrat- some, I'm sorry, congratulating me. I didn't want to wait for someone else to validate if I did good or not. I was happy I did good. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that track, and then right after it, I wrote another song, um, which was Stubborn. And once I wrote Stubborn, I wrote Nice and you know, so on and so forth. And I'm like, these are characteristics of me or some emotions maybe I felt in one moment. And I just needed a way to kind of generalize all of these traits of myself. I didn't want to just be like Lolo. That's the name of the album, everyone. Like, that's me. Because there are a bunch of people who think or feel like me. So the first thing I looked at was the Myers-Briggs. So, you know, that's like um, your personality traits mm-hmm. and that, how you navigate through life. Are you a protagonist? Are you an entertainer? All those kind of things. But it's mainly based off of your archetype of a personality. But... As far as the Zodiac, what's interesting about it is a lot more people associate themselves with their sign. So I kind of put those two things together and I found like a way to create an identity for Taurus that doesn't necessarily fall in line with just what people believe the stars have. Mm -hmm. So once I made that title, I said, all right, well, then let's go ahead and build Lolo. Let's build who I am. Let's write songs that are about, you know, love and anger and confidence and perfection and all those other things that might bother me and as I collectively began to build it I like for things to be sonically cohesive so I start with pop tracks because I figured that's something that would be easier listening (laughs) these days a lot of people don't have as much um, attention to detail I say and the attention span is pretty short like the song is over two minutes they're like alright when's this shit over with (laughs) so I kind of was like these are songs that still resonate with me. And I wrote every track by myself and I selected everything, did all my own recording. And I said, all right, let's get the pop out the way. I'm a tourist. All right, that's common sense. And I'm stubborn. Easy shit, gone. We don't have to talk about it no more. Now let's get into the deeper things. So that's when I started to build more on the eclectic sounds. I started focusing more on the artists who inspired me on a deeper level than just vanity or you know, what you see on a stage or something like that. I actually want to see them, like, behind the scenes. Like, when you see 
Mariah F., for example, how she builds a song, like, from a piano chord, and she actually builds it. She's an actual studio artist who likes to create music. Or you look at someone who does, like, a lot of layering, like Michael Jackson and Beyonce. So as I began to build this album, I said, I need to invest all of me into one project. This is all I have to offer for that particular time period. So that's how I curated Taurus. I said, well, this sums up everything. All those generalizations that people wrote about Taurus and all the generalizations that people have about me as a person, I can put them into one album and I can hopefully find my tribe, people that Mm -hmm. feel the same way I feel and think how I think. So that's how I was able to kind of curate the album to be geared towards not only me, but also an audience that, you know, they don't know who I am. I'm still pretty much a nobody to a lot of people. So that's why I created this album to find people who think like me and to also encourage other people who think like me, but also to find people who would want to feel more inspired by someone like me. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, I started out doing nothing. It started out with one song and then we built an album off of it. Yeah, well, that's, man, I, I got to say congratulations to you on the full journey of just seeing that through as well. Because I, I really believe that, you know, when people do albums, I feel like a lot of the time, I've mentioned this on past episodes, but I'll mention it again, is that when they do albums, there might not be like a full story behind it or like a meaning behind it. They kind of just want to put it together. I feel that the albums that have substance and that they last are the ones that tell a story and they have like a real meaning behind them. So I can just tell by the way you described exactly. it that it really does, you know what I mean? And you were really just putting your true experiences in the music too. And I like that too exactly. about how you kind of, you start almost with more surface level just for the casual listener. And then if they're still around by then, by the middle and the end and they, that whole rest of the project, they're getting more deeper into the layers of it. You know what I mean? So I never thought exactly. about that either. And that that goes into sequencing and doing all those sorts of things. Right which is super important as well for an album or like a longer project. So uh, you, congratulating yourself, that's super, super good, man. Like you should. And, and I will say once again, congrats on seeing it through. I love the album cover too. The album cover is great. It caught my attention immediately. So, but yeah, I think with the album cover, a lot of people, I was a little bit nervous. Cause like I said, you never know who's watching or listening. Mm-hmm. And if somebody who could help progress your career or could help you on a larger platform or a larger scale, if they see this, I don't want them to be like attention-seeking devil worshiper, <laughs> right? Because I'm wearing red, yeah, and I got yeah. horns, and I'm like, people are gonna look at this and be like, okay, like he's fucking nuts. But <laughs> I wasn't trying to pander to anything. I just uh-huh. looked at red is what people associate with the bull, and yeah. I'm wearing bull horns and yeah. the devil horns. But I wanted people to focus more on the music, and I took more like the Stia or the Her, mm. the artist approach, because I feel like when they came out, the mystique of it all, like people not really seeing them, people paid a lot more attention to, okay, well, we can't figure out what the fuck they're going to look like, so let's just hear what it is they're mm. putting out. So in a lot of ways, I said, all right, well, this kind of lets me have my own little mystique about it. So when I put the album out, I didn't have a video. All of the pictures were me basically a little obscured or my back was facing the camera. You know, I kind of wanted it to be um, artistic, but also uh, I wanted the pictures to feel like they were in a void because the album all takes place up here. Mm-hmm. So I made it a point that instead of me booking like a outdoor venue or 
you know, putting a whole bunch of stuff behind me, I figured just give me a white space. Because I went to Atlanta studio space. And I figured, let me just go in here. It's a white space. It's empty. This is how my mind feels. Let's just put myself in this void space and make me the focal point. So that's where all of the images from the Taurus album, they all stem from that. So the album cover, that was my favorite shot of the entire uh, catalog of pictures that we took. So I said, that has to be mm-hmm. it. That's, the lighting is perfect. And they knew I was pretty um, controlling, I guess that's the best <laughs> way to put it. And so, you know, after we were there for, I think, maybe three and a half hours, and we shot a whole bunch of pictures. And I said, all right, well, let's wrap this up. So I got, he sent me all 400 files. He was like, you going to go through them? I was like, yeah, I got time. So I went through all 400. I selected which ones I needed him to fix up. And that's how we got that particular mm-hmm. cover. But all of the art stems around being in a void and me being the only focus. Yeah. It's great, though, that you saw the vision through from beginning to end, too, even those aspects of it. Because I think a lot of artists would, they would just hand it to someone else and be like, I don't really care about the art, just fig- just figure it out, you know what I mean? But it's like, <laughs> if you're if you're that involved with it, it's good to see it through in all the aspects, too, and to go through all that and, and have that be kind of the focal point and the story. And I like that about, you know, having the music speak for itself, too. I, I think that's exactly. super cool and... and Again, man, just super great job. And I don't know if you plan on Thank doing you. another album, but, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, like, what it's going to come. And we'll get to that here in a bit. I definitely want to talk about that. But uh, a few more questions in the middle here. Uh, I did want to know, as far as, like, promotion, because obviously, like, right now we're doing this podcast. I assume that's something you've been doing a lot as well. But other than that, yeah. like, how have you been getting this music out to people? Is it just doing, like, press releases and things like that, local events? Like, what do you think you found that has helped a lot to push yourself as an artist and get, you know, new listeners, things like that? Well, for the first part of it, like I said, everything was pretty much thought out. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, let's just hit the little indie chitlin circuit, you know, anywhere that has a door and a microphone, perform at it, or um, try to book festivals. Even if people don't know you, you never know who will see you at the festival. Um, put out a bunch of videos. It don't matter if it's a $200 video, just try to put it out. And I said, I don't want to do that shit. I kind of want to set myself apart. And what better way to set myself apart than to not put myself on a time? Um, a lot of indie artists and a lot of like established artists, they tend to have like a time period in their mind. Mm. But I remember like the era back in the early 2000s where someone would put an album out and for two years straight, we be living off of the same album i mean you got michael jackson thriller i think it wasn't until a year after the album came out that we even got thriller i wasn't around for that time but you know and then um you know you look at stuff like Katy perry in more recent years that um whatever the album was that she had with all the colors and stuff that went on for two years (laughs) and so i kind of looked at it like i need to give my album as much shelf life as possible only because I don't want it to burn out and I don't want people to, even the people who do know me, I don't want them to be like, oh, he's popping up on my thing again. And, you know, I'm not really trying to hear this. Like you were dope for the first listen, but I'm trying to incorporate time and, and taking my time in the music. So I've been doing things that are a little bit more behind the scenes, putting up ads for my music. Um, I took my time putting out the music video. I put the music, um, the music video out in a long form. 
but you know eventually i put each uh video out individually so that puts me back up as new videos are out mm. or putting out a re-release which is what i plan on doing later that also put me out because right now i have the acapella edition and the collaborations edition all of that houses from all of that is within the tourist house so i'm able to just keep building off of that on my own advertisement basically a lot of people don't pay attention to the things that are allotted to you that are free um, prime example, if people follow you on Spotify, every time you upload something, you show up as like a new release. That's free promo. Mm -hmm. I don't have to pay for that. And so I put something out and then I say, okay, let me wait a little bit of time. Now put something else out from that album as a single and now I pop up. So that's free promotion for me. Um, I do a lot of Google ads. So a lot of like click to find me kind of things. And honestly, that gets your streams up. You have to be careful of, like, fake um, fake promo sites. A lot of people use, like, the Spotify, let me build your follower thing, and it's a bunch of bots. Yeah. And so it gives you the illusion that, oh, people are listening to my stuff, and I'm like, no, it's no different than buying, like, Twitter likes mm. or something. So I wanted everything to be as organic as possible. So I tried to go more for the Apple side of it, because they're a little bit more secure than Spotify. Mm. But I really try to push for commercials on YouTube. Take a 30-second clip out of my video and put $100 into it and nonstop. <laughs> and I even got to see it. Um, I had a second account and my commercial popped up at least four times between about 10 videos. So I said, this is perfect. It's harassing people and that's what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my way of kind of promoting myself without having to do any real legwork um, after uh, me and Bianca linked up and she became my manager, she manages mainly me trying to get my face and, you know, more awareness out of my projects. Mm. So after that, it was, let's do another podcast. Let's do another uh, magazine. And you're the first person I actually sat down and physically had a, um engagement with. Because for the most part, it's like I said, it's like a phone call. They mm. call and there might be nine people in a week. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just so, because now the music is out, I would love for people to get to know me hmm. a little bit more, only because they, a lot of people already have a perception um, about me or what they think I'm about just off of the music. Hmm. I've seen a lot of the comments or I've heard a lot of the um, replies to my music, even from those who aren't around me. So seeing some of those comments, <laughs> good and bad, um, it lets me know that maybe people should hear me more now. So again, I'm extending my shelf life because now people are learning more about me as an artist as opposed to just listening to the music. Mm -hmm. I gave people enough time. And that's what took me so long to put out the music videos. I had recorded those uh, back in like June or July, and I just put them out at the end of the year because I wanted to wait. So, yeah, I definitely have been pushing really hard to not only take my time, but to also um, deliver the music in a way that, like I said, I can harass people. <laughs> it's catchy. Like you said, it's easy listening. Mm. But taking advantage of those free things. I think if a lot of artists actually realize how album sales work, I think maybe they would take the time to say, maybe I should do a deluxe. Maybe I should do a remix because mm. they would realize that all of that goes towards the parent album. 
So all of those streams and things, they go towards towards the standard edition. Hey, hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to take a quick minute out to let you know how you can become a monthly supporter of the show. So if you click on the show description in your podcast platform, you'll see the word support this podcast toward the bottom and you can follow that link to sign up. You have the options of donating a dollar, five dollars or ten dollars a month. And that'll be used towards making the show a better experience for you as the listener. Uh, that means new and exciting guests, giveaways and a lot more that we can continue to provide for you. So feel free to click that link and check it out. Or visit anchor.fm backslash proven knowledge backslash support to contribute today. And for now, let's get back into the episode. Absolutely. And I, I got to say, because this, this is something that I think a lot of artists in general kind of don't get as far as releasing music. Because I think a lot of people, they'll they'll spend time on the buildup more than anything. Like getting people hyped and excited for the release. And then when the release happens, they got nothing else left. They're just like... It's out and that's it. They don't have any like post they don't have any like post release strategy as far as like, okay, now what? Like how do we get people still coming in, having interest in it? Every way that you just brought up is like super anybody could do those things, you know what I mean? I think it's just it's the way you think about it, right? So I think I think that's like super, super vital and, and I hope a lot of people can hear that and kind of apply that in their own situation as well. Because the I think I would argue the post release is way more important than the pre or even the release day, because it's already out in the world. So you have instead of saying, "Hey, on this date in like two weeks we're dropping this project," and they forget about it, at least the post release you can say, "Hey, it's already out. Here it is. It's already in the world." You know what I mean? And then you can build around it. Like you said, you were breaking down the music videos, putting them out one by one, continuing to build on that. Um, there's actually a producer that I'm a fan of named Kenny Beats and he put out an album called Louie a couple years ago in an interview he said the same thing about how a lot of artists now their shelf life for their release is like a month or two and they'll promote and then they'll be on to the next thing and he was like I want this to be at least two to three years of like building around that and building like a brand with it doing merchandise doing all these different things and he's like, I believe in it that much because it's such a special project to me. And I think it's going to affect people the same way, you know, if they hear it. So I really want to continue to talk about it and do interviews about it and things like that. So, yeah, I, I don't think anyone's brought that up on this show, like the way that you just described it and like detailed it. But I hope that people can take from that and apply that in the way that they will, because it, it is super important and just kind of like you kind of got to like retrain your, your mind a little bit. As far as like releasing music, so yeah, to separate yourself. Yeah, I think a lot of people. If you're somebody who's in your head a lot, outside of being an artist, when you go into artist mode, you need to take those traits that most people would consider um, crazy or over the top. You need to figure out how to apply them as a. Oh, I'm sorry, you there. Yep, I'm still here. Sorry, um, you have to figure out how to apply them on the artist side of things. And so I'm a control freak and I have the issue with perfectionism. And when it comes to how I navigate my regular day to day life, I'm not a type A, you know, square kind of person, but I like things done how I want them done. Mm. But as an artist, I was able to kind of take that and focus in on things that are within my control. It is literally my life. I've 
Lolo is me. So for this particular part of my life, all of that shit that people say, stop doing it, stressing you out, it's crazy. Now it's the time to actually unleash it fully. And so when it came to trying to learn these things, nobody taught me these things. I read and I researched a lot, a lot, a lot. (laughs) And I started to keep up with numbers. And I started to tell myself, you're indie. You're not going to debut on nobody's billboard, anything. (laughs) So why are we trying to push so hard Mm -hmm. to try to promote before it's even out? Most people, when they meet you, they kind of already want to see the food. They kind of already want to see the menu and have it readily available. They're not waiting for me to drop anything. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going into this with this whole, let's do a rollout, right? Mm -hmm. So we do a single, we do a music video, we find somewhere to perform. Maybe we'll videotape it, maybe we won't. And then the album comes out, and like I said, you're indie, and that's the end of it. Mm. And with me, I was like, no, um, I'm going to perform later, because I've invested a lot of money. A lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) I've invested a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of passion into this. I wasn't somebody who was just going to give everything I got away. Mm. Somebody had did a video on YouTube once, and they were talking about uh, Beyonce's Renaissance Project. And they were saying, like, oh, you know, the visuals didn't come out because back in the day, the visuals were like the signal of the end of the era. That was kind of like the end of the album. And I said, that makes sense. So I kind of took that in a lot. And I said, well, I don't want to perform early. I don't want to do anything that is just going to be karaoke or a pageant show or talent show. I wanted to actually be something that matches the body of work that I have. So I'm not going to try to book a small stage. I'm going to build a stage. So my show is going to be what I want it to be. It's not going to be some half-ass. It's not going to be rushed. And I'm not going to worry about the rest of the world trying to catch up to what it is I'm doing. I'm doing it for myself and those who already are fans, and hopefully I'll find more out of it. I think if a lot more people thought like that, they would say, let me not waste my money or time on things in the beginning. If you work like in the long run, it it 100% has paid off for me. So when I finally hit the stage and I perform, that's another extension to this album. No one's ever heard me live. So for, you know, for their ears, they might be like, he's trash. We don't know what the fuck he sounds like. <laughs> might be auto-tune. We don't know. So, you know, it's, that's something else to build up towards. So, yeah, I think a lot of people, they really, really should focus more on the post-release and give more credit to themselves because mm. like I said, me and the album are one. So wherever the album goes, I'm going to go mm. and I'm going to push the album as far as I can. So yeah. yeah, I think a lot more people should get in that mindset that um, post-release is way more important, mm-hmm. way more, especially if you're indie. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, keep that thing in your mind. They don't know you. Uh-huh. So you don't have to cater or pander to anyone. Mm-hmm. They don't know you yet. Do whatever you want to do got to get the most out of every step of the journey too and every step of the process so and i appreciate you for sharing that because that was super super important so thank you for you know giving us that because that's super awesome um yeah so i i do want to ask you know what i was talking about earlier as far as what do you think is kind of the next steps for you uh is it just going to be continuing to you know write songs here and there and work on some new stuff behind the scenes like you said you're taking your time with everything uh, do you have anything kind of like coming up soon that you're excited for or that you can reveal? Yeah. So um, I have a deluxe version of my project that's coming out with 
three new songs. Um, I had put out an acapella version of my album uh, earlier in the year. I included 10 of the acapellas that I figured were the most interesting to hear. I put a lot of work into the backgrounds and the harmonies and the melodies. So that's why that was out. I wanted people to kind of hear the conversation behind the song a little more. Um, but I did want to put out a deluxe that included the remaining acapellas plus three songs that maybe I haven't um, that maybe I haven't had a place for them just yet. So I figured, okay, well, we have a deluxe. Let's put it on there. And then I also have another release. See, everything is planned. <laughs> so I have another release that's coming um, tour season of next year. And that'll be the final installment of tours before I move on to my next project, which God knows when that'll be. Because, mm-hmm. again, everything has to be thought out when yeah. it comes to me. And live performances, I do plan on taping a lot of uh, live performances. The vocals in all of me will be live, but I just figured it would be better to do it in a controlled setting and environment first so that when I present it, it comes in a more tight and clean package Mm -hmm. than you just getting me raw and in person just yet. Because I also want to make sure that I'm ready and I'm giving y'all what I can actually give and it's not lackluster and I don't and I actually give my music justice as opposed to just coming out there and being off key and stiff. (laughs) I'd rather, you know, make sure that it's clean and it's ready. And the top of next year, I actually have live performances lined up where people will actually be able to come out and see me and support. Super, super awesome, man. And and I, I'll be the first to say I'm excited for all of it. So definitely going to be cool to see it all kind of come out when it does. So, um, Last few questions here, and these are ones I ask on every episode. Um, and the first one is, if you could go back 10 years ago, maybe give yourself a piece of advice, or maybe not change anything at all, what do you think you would do? Um, 10 years ago, I would... First thing I would literally say is, nothing bad is going to happen. Take all the risks. Just be smart. Um, but there are no cameras watching you, so don't be so vigilant on yourself. And say fuck you a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) Say it a whole lot more. (laughs) Step on a lot of those negative Mm. people a lot more. And yeah, that would, those are the two biggest things. There are no cameras watching and fuck you to everybody that pisses you off, even if it's small. I like the second one. That's a good, that's a good one. I second that one. Yeah. So if we yeah. if we flip that then and we say, you know, 10 years from now, where do you think you envision yourself with your music career, maybe life in general? Um, well, in life, I'll be happy regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very sure. I work very hard to keep myself happy. Um, musically, I can see myself still doing music regardless of where it goes, whether, you know, it does nothing or it does huge numbers one way or another i'm still going to be singing still going to be writing um god forbid if something happens to my voice somebody else will be singing my songs <laughs> so i'll just be writing regardless of what it is i'll still be um using music as a platform for my feelings or for other people mm-hmm. so yeah just doing it out of the love for it that's the most important thing exactly. at the end of the day so and do you have any final words of wisdom today for the listeners yeah, um, let me find one that doesn't involve someone's cussing. <laughs> it can involve that too. 
I can, it can involve that too. Um, it's all good. Honestly, I would say, number one, don't be afraid to ask for help. That doesn't mean that you're not a good creative. If you need help or if you need a stepping stone to actually get in the game, don't be nervous to actually go out on a limb and ask people who are already there or grind and research a lot more. Don't look at what's in the box as the only way to do things. Um, again, I'm going to keep saying this. No one knows you yet. So <laughs> mm-hmm. there's no expectation of what it is that you're putting out. Nobody knows anything. So if you want to put out shit, as long as you promote that shit to the ends of the earth, it will it will go off to where it needs to be. I look at everything as a child. You raise that child to be the best it can be. It's no different with your music. If it has a goal and a purpose and you push it there, it's going to get there. So mm-hmm. just don't limit yourself based off of what you feel it should be. Just do it however the fuck you want to do it. Absolutely. 100%. And man, Lolo, that's all I have for you today. I got to say again, you yeah. know, I'm happy we got in touch. This was fun, man. I appreciate all the yeah, tips you gave. A lot of good and questions. Yeah, well, I appreciate <laughs> it, man. We'll have to do it again soon. So let me know if you want to do a part two one of these days. Yes, uh, we can say it now on air for part two for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening today. That was episode 179. We'll be back this time next week. As always, hit the support button on your podcast streaming platform if you'd like to send any funds. And feel free to leave us that five-star rating if you enjoyed today's episode. So we'll see you then. Thanks, everyone.